0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the epistle reading. may be seated. In the name of Jesus, from the OT reading to the gospel reading, end times to the max. And that's on purpose. We are quickly approaching the last Sunday of the church year, which is actually next Sunday, and the last couple of Sundays of the church year deal with end times. Dear friends, I want you to understand, the end times did not begin with the passing of Prop 3, or with Biden, or Trump, or Obama in the Oval Office in D.C., or the Twin Towers falling in NYC, or the Holocaust, or Hiroshima, or Nagasaki. The end times started when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church on the day of, the day of, the day of Pentecost. 2,000 years of end times living. And in these end times, uh, the world has gotten more and more unglued. Filling folks with more and more of a doom and gloom mood. Stress and anxiety through the roof. Fear factor level rising. Bad news on steroids. Not getting better, only getting worse. And so we cry out, come soon, Lord Jesus. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will Come again. and when he does, he's going to take all that's busted and bruised and broken in the universe and make it whole. Good, right, perfect, gorgeous, just absolutely beautiful. Now this doesn't mean that we sit around twiddling our thumbs. Just waiting and waiting and waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus on the last day, on J-Day, Judgment Day. Pastor Paul, in the epistle reading this morning, gives us meaningful work to do. Our lives here in the end times have so much purpose. Because the work we do will endure forever. It's end times life for you and for me. It's the end times life for us. But what does that look like? Hmm? What does that even look like? Pastor Paul thankfully spells it out for us. End End times living is the life lived here and now at GLC, getting on our knees to pray, living where God has put us today, cultivating beauty without dismay. First, the end times life gets us on our knees to pray that the, word, that the Word would run its course in this world without delay. Pastor Paul makes prayer a priority in the end times life. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Pastor Paul first calls the Christians at Thessalonica to, 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 pray, 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 pray. Praying that the Word would be unbound and unchained. Praying that the Word would even outpace the apostles themselves. Praying that many hearts would be made ready to hear the Word and believe the Word and be saved. Praying. That the word would run over all obstacles, running over racism, bigotry, hatred, alienation, neglect, praying that the word would be welcomed by all in the same way that the Thessalonians welcomed the Word, and we know exactly how the Thessalonians welcomed the Word. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Pastor Paul writes, and we also thank God constantly for this that when you received the word of god which you heard from us you accepted it not as the word of men but as what it really is the word of god which is at work in you believers when it comes to the proclamation of the word all hands on deck the proclamation of the word isn't just pastor's business or deaconess's business or cantor Beethy's business. It's all of our business. You participate in the spread of the word in this world through your p- 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 prayers. Through your prayers. So pray. Pray. Pray for those folks in your life who are no-faithers, who have, you know, walked away from the church, who don't see any reason to be a follower of Jesus, pray for them. Pray that the soil of their hearts would be tilled by the Holy Spirit for the sowing of the Word. Pray that many hearts would be inclined to hear the Word and believe the Word Pray that doors would be opened for the sharing of the word. Pray for the growth of the church here and everywhere through the word, the word. But uh, it ain't easy. Pastor Paul doesn't sugarcoat ministry at all, period. That's why Pastor Paul calls the Thessalonians, to pray that they would be rescued, delivered from the ways and the wiles of the wicked. After all, there will be pushy-shovey in this world. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed, darkness rears its ugly head. It's not far away, dear friends. The opposition is actually next door. Good old Marty Luther quipped that where... Christ builds his church. Satan builds a synagogue. Pray for the GLC team. Pray for the missionaries that we support in this congregation. After all, we got huge targets on our backs. The devil gunning for us coming for us, wanting nothing more than for the Word to be silenced because He knows that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the, through the Word, the Word of Jesus the Christ. Don't give Him such pleasure. Pray that the work of the ministry doesn't just survive, but thrives, flourishes here, there, and everywhere because we desire, we desire that all people be saved from that last day, judgment day, oven for, for the new earth and the new heaven. Don't give up. Don't give in. Give up. Give out. You have the best backer in the cosmos for this work. Pastor Paul writes, but the Lord is Faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Who has your back? The Lord has your back. He has your back. As you pray for the word to run wild everywhere, Satan need not give you a scare, for the Lord Jesus will protect that head of hair. You heard the promise from Jesus in the gospel reading, right? Luke 21, 18. But not a hair. A hair. That's how precious you are. Not a hair of your head will perish So keep calm and pray on. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Plus, Christ's steadfastness, his endurance, he has enough of it, for you, me, and everybody to live this end times life. Now this life is more than just prayer. Second, the end times life lives where God puts us today. For each of us has our one-of-a-kind part to play. Pastor Paul addresses a big, huge, ginormous problem in the church in Thessalonica. Verses 6-9. through nine. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus... but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. What the news! Jesus is coming back! Oh, this is the sweetest thing ever. This means I don't have to go to work anymore. Take the kids to school anymore. Rake the leaves anymore. This is the sweetest thing ever. Uh, that's actually how some of the Christians in Thessalonica lived. They abandoned, they neglected, they shirked their God-given duties and responsibilities, thinking, I mean, what's the point of it all? What's the point of, you know, all this work as, as, as spouse, as parent, as child, as student, as employee, as boss, as citizen, as member of the congregation, as neighbor. What, what's really the point? We don't have time to get our job done anyway. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's gonna, the clock is going to strike last day. Any second. So, you know, might as well kick back, relax. Jesus will be here in no time. Good old Marty Luther. Another good quote from him. He once said that if he knew that the last day was tomorrow, he would do what today? He would plant a tree. Plant a tree. In other words, the coming of Jesus is not discouraging to our work but ever so encouraging and we don't have just any work to do we have work given to us by the hand from the hand of god himself god-given work one-of-a-kind work one-of-a-kind work now pastor paul in the epistle reading cries out imitate us He's calling Christians then and Christians now to embrace. To embrace their one-of-a-kind work. To do their one-of-a-kind work with gusto. Urgency. Joy. After all, who who else is going to do it? Who else is going to do it? Let me be clear here. Hear me out. There is no person on planet Earth that wears the same hats as you do. Totally one-of-a-kind work that you have. St. Francis of Assisi, a 13th-century Christian, said on his deathbed, I have done what was mine to do. Now you must do what is yours to do. Dear friends, what you must do is uniquely yours. Uniquely yours to do. You know what this means. It's time to just be done with the comparison game. Just stop that game. We need to stop the comparison game. Game over. Everyone's a loser when we play that game anyway. No more comparing... callings and gifts, houses and families. You, you singular, you singular, have God-given gifts and callings... that are to be used where God has placed you in your home and in your family boy, oh boy, we can get distracted. How easy it is for us to have our priorities out of whack. Are we more concerned with the guy that's in the White House than with the people in our houses? Are we more concerned with having someone else in the governor's mansion Than with doing what we can to get our family, our friends, our neighbors in the Father's mansion. Are we more concerned with my will be done than with thy will be done? Are we more concerned with storing up treasure here on earth than with storing up treasure in heaven? Are we more concerned with the dying kingdoms of this world than with the kingdom of the Lamb that has no end? Are we more concerned with our sports teams winning than with sharing the gospel, the good news that Christ has already gained the ultimate victory? Swallowing up sin, defeating death, harrowing hell, stomping Satan. Alleluia! Pastor Paul calls all of that idleness. Idleness. And he denounces idleness in the strongest terms. Now, it's a bad translation. <laughs> what Pastor Paul is actually calling out is Disorderliness disordered life. The disordered life. See, there were Christians in Thessalonica who were walking away from God's order. Walking away from the hats that God gave them to wear. Walking away from where God plopped them down to live, laugh, love, and learn. That's not how they were schooled. Pastor Paul quickly reminds them of What he taught them, verses 10 and 11. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but uh, busy bodies. Those that live disordered lives are called Busybodies by Pastor Paul. A better translation, meddler. Busybodies are meddlers. When you walk away from your business, what God has given you to do, it's only a matter of time that you start interfering with, meddling with, other people's business. Dear friends, be content. Be content with the business that God has given you to be engaged with. Be content with it. Don't covet someone else's life. Wanting someone else's life, it will only bring you pain. It only hurts you and the people around you. Stay where God has plopped you down. Remain there. You won't be disappointed. The Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Holy Trinity, will bring forth such beautiful fruit in you and through you, which Pastor Paul highlights. Next. Finally, the end times life cultivates beauty without dismay. For the Father will use such beauty as the building blocks of the new creation on the last day. Pastor Paul makes it crystal clear that the end times life (coughs) ain't showy. Not glitzy and glamorous. No tooting one's horn. Verse 12. Now such persons... We command and encourage in the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly quietly, and to earn their own living. Quiet work. That doesn't mean uh, no talkie-talkie ever. Quiet work doesn't mean you can't whistle on the job. No whistling while you work. Doesn't mean that. Okay. Quiet work. Quiet work is confidence. Trust that this, this is what God has given me to do. And by doing it, he'll bless it. He'll bring forth all of this beauty in me and through me. Our Lord Jesus knows quiet work firsthand. His entire ministry was nothing but doing quiet work, doing what the Lord, what the Father had given him to do. Quiet work in the waters of the Jordan River, embracing his work of Lamb of God, sin bearer for the world. Quiet work. Whining and dining with sinners and tax collectors, the least, the last, the lowly, the nobodies. Embracing his work. Of good shepherd. Friend of sinners. Seeking and saving the lost. Quiet work in healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, embracing his work. Of good physician, caring for both body and soul, and of course, quiet work. In his railing and nailing, sighing and dying, embracing his work of reconciler and redeemer of the world. Oh, what beauty the Father brought forth from all of Jesus' quiet work. Behold the beautiful Savior. He ain't dead. He lives. He's risen from the dead. He lives. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And now Jesus is the very cornerstone of the new creation. So many... More stones of beauty to be placed on cornerstone Jesus. And so, Pastor Paul writes, As for you brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't get tired of doing good. Now, good here can be translated beautiful. Don't get tired. Don't get tuckered out. Don't get weary in doing the beautiful. You can do it. You can Here at the altar, what do you sink your teeth into? You get to eat the body of Jesus. And you get to drink the blood of Jesus, being filled to overflowing with the grit of Jesus. True grit. You can do it, folks. Embrace. Embrace your God-given, one-of-a-kind quiet work. With gusto, urgency, and so much joy. You won't be disappointed. Love your family. Be gentle. Be quick to listen, slow to talk. Pray for your leaders in business and government, in the church. Care for the needy, defend the weak and the vulnerable. Open your home to the lonely. Explain everything in the kindest way. Facebook would be a much better place. (laughs) Put the best construction on everything. Look for the good in every human being. It's there. It's there. Look for it. Share all that God has done in your life. Support your congregation, G-L-C. And out of this quiet work, the Father will bring forth so much beauty, a bumper crop of beauty. Now most of this beauty we won't see here and now, but we will see it, won't we? We will see this beauty. And so let's encourage one another to do the beautiful as the day is drawing near. The day when the trumpet will sound. The day when Jesus will return. The day when the Son of Righteousness rises with healing in his wings. The day when we will stand in our resurrected bods. And we will see all of those stones of beauty resting upon cornerstone Jesus. So when you look around, you get frustrated, depressed, disappointed. You see all the rubble, all that's falling apart, coming unglued. Remember, That out of your quiet life, the Father is chiseling stones of beauty that He will use for the new creation. And what God builds can't be toppled, taken down, destroyed by anything or anyone. So, this is enduring work, purposeful work, meaningful work. It's the end times life for us. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.